1: what's going on everybody and finn has got a meetup going down october 16th through 18th at eastport marina and resort in alpine tennessee which which falls right on dale hollow what we're going to be doing is just hanging out fishing uh depending on the number of people that show up in the interest we may do a small tournament uh we will have some stuff to give away saturday evening we're going to do a hangout and a little little barbecue action. We'll have food for everybody. If you're looking for lodging, you could stay right at the resort. It's $50 per person per night. Um, And what you get is your own personal bedroom on a houseboat, luxury houseboat, courtesy Eastport Marina. That's a special price they gave us to lend to our listeners. If you want uh, more info on the resort, you can go to Eastport.info and uh, their website will pop up there. You'll see all the houseboats and things like that. A majority of our hosts are going to be there, and we would love to spend some time on the water with you. This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and use promo code PNF20 and save 20% off your next jig order today.
2: Hello, and welcome back to Off the Water. I'm your host, JP. Today we have a very, very special guest. We have Mr. Donny Jokinen. Donny is a three and a half year Army veteran who is the founder of K2 Stay Alive. Uh, this episode is going to be a little different than what we normally do when we're talking about destinations, because the other half to everything we do is about adventure. and. Donnie has quite the adventure and quite the mission he's set out and accomplished uh, and going forth further with this mission um, along the Mississippi River. So a little background to what is leading up to the show. Uh, I happen to be on Facebook, and I I always browse for adventure and seeing what's going on, and I happen to run across a post from... um, the Upper Peninsula, the UP, they call it the UP um, News, And it had an article about uh, Donnie and his mission uh, to help with, uh, with veteran suicide and uh, MTBIs. And if, for those who are not familiar with MTBIs, it stands for uh, traumatic brain injuries, which occur uh, from combat from explosion injury to the brains. Um, it's coming home uh from it I, again myself being a firefighter and having lots of veteran friends um you know it, it's hard coming to make a transition from civilian life or from um army life and military life back into civilian life and that that leads down a road of a lot of darker avenues sometimes and there's a lot of different foundations out there um 22 rock uh 9 line uh has a lot of things that go on that try to raise um, awareness. But the way Donnie did it, Donnie did a pretty much a, two months in its entirety, afloat from on the Mississippi River from mile marker zero all the way to the Gulf. And his mission is to raise money and awareness for, for this organization to help with combating um, this pretty, it's a disease. It's a diagnosed disease. So without any further ado, And I want you guys to grab your coffee, grab your drinks, whatever. We're going to hear from Mr. Donnie and his adventure on the Mississippi. Donnie, thank you so much for being on the podcast, man. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So I I gave a little bit of background. I hope I did all right for you. I hope uh, I covered uh, the basis for everything. Is there anything else you'd like to input into there?
3: Uh no, we just uh basically about two years ago, my goal behind it uh I was asked before you know what uh why I did it, you know, and it was just something that uh I seen that I could set my sights on and strive for um you know, as we got closer and onto the river uh I used it more as like an exposure therapy and physical therapy, and then uh by the end of the river, you know it had already solidified my own intuitions uh. It rebuilt, you know, my family connections. Uh, It rebuilt my person, really, Uh, faith in humanity and my own free will. I mean, it was huge what it did for me. And if other veterans can benefit from it, I
2: think there's something to be said there. Yeah, most definitely. And, you know, as, you know, not only, you know, veterans, but as a lot of people who are outdoors, um, men and women, uh, what you just described is something we all seek every time we're out on the water. Every time we're out
1: connecting
2: to nature, it's, we're always trying to find that that, that connection to rejuvenate uh, our souls. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. So, Donnie, let's let's start at at mile marker zero and and give us the date. So, uh, it was right. right Fourth of July, right?
3: Uh, no, we started uh, May 8th. We, May 8th. Uh, May okay. 8th we started and there was uh, three inches of snow falling on the ground. Uh, when we put in, you know, we slipped and fell down the hill trying to get our canoes in the water. And, you know, <laughs> you could outstretch, you know, finger to fingertip and touch the Mississippi Riverbanks. You know, that's how small it was. Um, and then uh, we continued our journey. It took us uh, about 60 days to get out of Minnesota. Uh, we were the first group to start the Mississippi journey. Uh, I originally started with Courage Incorporated and uh, a couple, Nate and Krista. And, uh, you know, Nate was a good friend of mine for many years. And we decided to do this trip to raise funds for his uh, nonprofit and uh, try to get them a pontoon boat in the very beginning, you know. And then uh, soon enough, we ran into River Angels. I mean, these these people... Uh, they'll open your their doors uh give you a bed to sleep in they'll uh you know take their shirt off their back really if you need anything i i, I got a sleeping mat from one uh when i was uh it had a small pinhole in it you know and I, I just had nothing else you know so i was sleeping on the ground and she just gave me her sleeping mat you know uh she heard that i needed one i didn't ask for it nothing you know It the stuff that they did for us, it really restored my faith in humanity, you know, when it comes to that part.
2: Awesome. So for, to give perspective where Mario Marco zero is in, in Minnesota and traveling down from Minnesota, So you said it took you uh, quite some time. Where yeah. about in Minnesota are we, are
3: we talking about? Uh, Lake Itasca is, It's not mile marker zero. Mile marker zero is actually in the Gulf of Mexico. Okay. The mileage is really weird how they did it. Um, I can't remember the exact number, but it's like 2,300 miles, uh, maybe 2,400 miles in total. Uh, Wow. You know, they do the distance right down the middle of the river. And there's lots of times, you know, you're on the outside of the river avoiding ship traffic and stuff like that. So, the actual mileage, it's it's hard to, you know, say. The GPS is they only go north to south. They don't consider east and west either. So, that's another issue that I ran into trying to calculate it.
2: Your, but your estimation was somewhere around 2,500 miles if you had to estimate? Yeah, I'd say
3: 2,350, 2,400.
2: Okay. That's still very, very impressive. Um, Thank you. So, so what, when you're doing this, so okay, so you had snow falling. You're it's pretty much winter conditions, and you know you want know, to you want to pack as light as possible. Um, how how did you? How, what was the mental preparation and preparation physically uh, for this trip? Because you're saying you know this has gone over the course of a few months. Um, how, how did you manage to know what you needed and what, what was truly necessary?
3: Well, the army prepped me for what I needed, you know, uh, all the times packing gear in and out, you know, that kind of teaches you, uh, you know, what you need that kind of becomes, uh, you know, secondhand. It's just, it's just there, you know, what you need. Uh, we dehydrated a bunch of fruit. Uh, I had it go on here for about a month. <laughs> And then uh, really hardcore there for a a week before because my daughter kept eating all my strawberries. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, it was just a lot of preparation like that. Uh, Mentally and physically is where it came in for me, the toughest. Uh, You know, mentally, it was leaving my family behind and what I had already had here started, you know, you know, the second guessing of where you want to go in your life and stuff like that. And there was just something that called me more and more each day as it got closer and closer. And, you know, uh, two years before that, you know, there was times I couldn't even do one push-up. You know, I started with one push-up, and now I think I'm about 20, uh, sometimes 25. Just because of my shoulder issues and stuff like that, I can't physically do it. Uh, So I just push myself as hard as I can every day, just like I did on the river. And that kind of mentality kind of stepped me up into where the river was actually putting me. (laughs) So in all in all, it was it was prep in itself. Everything I've been through, uh, it was prep for the river.
2: (laughs) So 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 mentally preparing, physically preparing by doing, you know, pushups and upper body training. you said the you know in terms of packing the army had um had prepared you for that. How how much gear did you actually bring with you um during this? It's hard to
3: say the exact poundage. Uh, let's see, probably at the beginning I probably had a maybe six to seven hundred pounds, maybe six hundred pounds of gear. holy crap food and everything you know because that was that was my lifestyle out there you know I stayed on the riverbank you know I brought everything but the kitchen sink (laughs) uh so yeah I had uh about an inch and a half of boarding room on my canoe uh so it was pretty low there but you know we didn't have much waves either you know it was pretty calm and steady until you know you got some of the rapids and stuff a little further downstream but yeah. yeah Uh, we walked it for, there was one part there. We were walking on brown, you know, cobblestone underneath the river. And it, there was probably about a foot of water and we were, the canoes were dragging bottom and, uh, we had to get off and actually walk them. I think it was close to four miles and maybe, maybe two miles in that cobblestone. And that was brutal. Absolutely brutal.
2: <laughs> oh, I, I can only imagine now. Did you have 600 pounds of gear going throughout the course of the trip, or did your load lighten as the days progressed? Yeah,
3: I lightened up as much as I could. And, you know, we started off with winter gear, and then pretty soon, you know, it was spring, and you know, then it was summer because it was it, it went from 30 to 90 degrees in a matter of a few weeks. <laughs> so we were shedding all that winter gear, uh, you know, getting lighter as we went. And then you found that you just brought too much.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's 600. I mean, at that point, it's like, oh, it's, it's like a mini uh, tugboat, just like you see on the river too. (laughs) Yeah, That's a lot. So, all right. So walk us through it. So we, so we get through Minnesota. You're going through the cobblestone. Now the areas where, we normally fish our pools. Uh, I, I, I fish personally pools seven and eight around Lacrosse. Crosse. Okay. So how long, let's, let's give a timeline to where it was from Minnesota where you, where you were to get to La Crosse. How, how, how long was that just in, in terms of your guys' pace going down the river? I want to say that's around 50 days. 50 days, and it doesn't even it seem was like that far. Fourth
3: when we arrived in the lacrosse area,
2: around the 4th of July, okay. Yeah. And so, so we're we're 15 days in at this point. For the last, for the last few, or for the last 50 days, um, what are you do? What are you doing to actually, um, survive to shower to to sleep. How how do you how are you setting everything up to just maintain when you're not paddling? Oh uh, let's see.
3: I'll I'll give you like a rundown of you know my day. You know, I would wake up with sure. a sunrise, you know, and a lot of times I was in so much pain I had to just wait for my body to start cooperating with me. You know, I do my stretches, take my Tylenol, you know, medicine, stuff like that, drink a monster uh get my head right basically trying to push myself mentally every single day was probably the toughest that mental fatigue and breaking through it you know it it, when you first wake up it's hard but when you start actually paddling and you know the pain and threshold goes up you know and you you meet that wall breaking through that wall is, is very tough very tough to do
4: uh so To get 50% off? You
3: know, we would uh, then pack up gear uh, when we were all set and ready to go. Uh, you know, that would take probably a half hour to an hour, depending on how much gear we had to bring out that night, uh, food wise or, uh, you know, protecting ourselves from the weather. Um, so, and then getting it back in, in, or organized into the canoe each day, because if you move it, one way to the other side you know you got to deal with the weight you know so it's pretty sensitive when it comes to that you know you don't want to be paddling too hard on the right because then you're going to get tired and sore and um uh, then we would get on the river uh paddle as hard as we could you know there was times it was 7 30 to 10 o'clock you know at the latest depending on our uh, our health wise that we would get on the river and then we would paddle eight to 12 hours, you know, depending on the body and condition, uh, there was times, you know, the wind would be blowing so hard, you'd be paddling backwards for hours and, you know, like especially on them pools like lacrosse area and stuff like that, you know, it was basically a lake that was flowing backwards.
4: (laughs) Uh, (laughs)
3: uh, but then, uh, you know, there was times we would stop for lunch, you know, you eat in the canoe while you're paddling, um, you know, it's just like work, you know, you, you get in your canoe, you work until you're done, until you're beat. Um, you know, that's how most production workers are, you know, and that's kind of mm-hmm. my mentality too, you know, I work until I'm done. <laughs> uh, so there, was, and a lot of times that kicks in at noon too. <laughs> so you got to push yourself that much further until 5, 6 o'clock at night, you know, but uh, getting on the river and having that peace that, that comes with it, at at first, you don't know it. You don't you don't see it until you're ready for it.
2: And then it then it hits it pretty hard. Wow, that's that's awesome, man. You know, and. You know, it's like you said, it's like work, you know, and just to kind of one thing I didn't ask you about on an average day how many miles are you putting on uh paddling in
3: the beginning uh we were lucky to hit five to seven um okay. and then uh when the river started picking up you know we were putting on maybe 20 uh around the end of minnesota and th- those were tough days Those was very hard days you know it was paddling very tough but so- uh then near the end uh illinois area near cairo uh we picked up to 50 miles a day uh but then we got back down to the near the gulf and we could barely hit 20 again you know it's just how the river flows
2: wow so yeah you know without jumping too far down downstream so you know and that that's crazy you know that you're going obviously slow moving river you're gonna have the the less amount of miles, but when that current's picked up, you're pushing and you're you're gaining more. That's, I mean, it just shows that that's why they call it the mighty Mississippi, because it's, you know, just from what I've fished, it's, a, it's there's whole different areas itself. It, it's, yeah, there's a flow like a river, but like you said, lacrosse is like a lake. <laughs> there's really no flow to it. And, you know, you, you're, you know, you're, if you're trying to make, make headway, you know, you're not getting anywhere fast. Right. So, and Especially in, like, lacrosse and stuff like that, that's where you had a lot
3: of boating traffic. Oh, yeah? Know, on public boats, like fishermen or water skiers. So, you know, with the lower boarding room with all the gear that we had in there, you know, every time a boat would go by, uh, some of them would slow down, you know, but probably 80% of them would just go hauling ass past you, you know, and you got to deal with the weight coming back, so... You gotta turn into it, otherwise, you know, you're gonna go all over the place. You tip. Know? Yeah, we, we considered that the worst area, you know, compared to ship traffic down in New Orleans even.
2: Oh wow. Yeah. Um so here so how did you guys decide where camp was gonna be for the night?
3: That was kind of uh up in the air every night there uh up in minnesota they had like designated camping spots uh you would try to push so far to get to that camping spot every day because there probably wasn't nothing else to camp on uh we did end up camping on a few spider islands and stuff like that uh they're just you know big marsh heads and yeah just off the side of it but uh you know, it, it took care of us for the night, and that's all we needed it for. Uh, other times, you know, there was uh, – we would camp on levees. Uh, the uh, – uh, just off the pools and stuff where you would meet the dams and the lock. Uh Right on the backside of the lock and dam, a lot of times there's camping areas there too or, or like a boat launch. Uh, so there was times that we would stay there. Uh, my mom, she, uh, she drove the support RV. Uh, she would basically drive ahead of us every day, just looking for spots that she could get to us. Uh, you know, by that time we were going less gear and when with that happening, you know, the sun came out and, you know, we were carrying less water and eventually, you know, we started drinking too much water and we would There's be running there. out. So she would have to come and resupply us, you know, midday.
2: Did you ever have to worry about um about water uh water tax uh water taxing or overhydrating uh at that point too?
3: Yeah, I got uh, salt lock up multiple times, um, you know, and knowing how to deal with that, you know, uh, drinking water just never covered it. Uh, <laughs> let's see, I, I I had so much sodium intake from. You know the beef jerkies and the gatorade's trying right. to that salt that i just took too much um let's see i forgot where i was heading
2: um the de- the dehydration fat or over hydrating causing uh water sickness
3: okay yeah I, and, you know, with my TBI anyway, I'm very dizzy as it is. And then when you're on the water paddling all day long, you got that steady flow. So that, <laughs> it really messes with your head.
2: Yeah. So, all right. So let, let's move, let's move further downstream. So we leave the cross, right? So the next big area down from the cross would be, um, you know, around Davenport. How long did it take to get to that area?
3: I'd have to look back on my uh pictures and notes there for the exact timing. Uh okay. and the mileage. I'm not I didn't really pay attention to that. Uh but I wanna say a
2: couple of weeks from that Wow. Area. That's so just listen, just listening to your story right now and putting it into perspective, you know, for you know, driving, you know, driving the Mississippi River from Illinois to, you know, let's say where Davenport, you know, the um, East Dubuque area of Illinois, you know, that area where Iowa, Illinois, and Wisconsin all touch, it only takes maybe three hours to get to La Crosse, so right. a couple floating that's my that's mind-boggling and that just it proves to the your point beginning the mental preparation it takes to do this
3: yep you're there all summer it was for us anyway i wasn't expecting that but you know how long it took us to get out of minneapolis minnesota that's when i realized you know how long this trip was really gonna take right so,
2: so okay, so now we're in Illinois. Any between Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, any significant sites or events that had happened during this panel that you uh, want to talk about?
3: Uh, the biggest one is uh, we. my friendship basically ended with the couple that we started with. Uh, that's a whole ordeal in itself, um, you know, and I don't really feel this is the time or the place to do it you know uh but we had a falling out basically um and then uh the other part was after that our spirits were kind of down and just out of the blue a friend from uh michigan that had moved to illinois uh came to visit us at a campground and spent the night with us and hung out and you know our spirits just returned and you know, as they got there and we were setting up, you know, uh, we went through, a, there was tornado warnings and stuff like that to the east or northeast of us. And the mo- the storm moved in there and we must have had close to 80 mile an hour wind. So we were holding our tents up and, you know, trying to get the gear so it wasn't blown away. You know, we had just set an awning up, you know, so <laughs> you got to deal with the elements as they come
2: yeah uh, it, i mean there's so there's so much that's thrown to you, uh, <laughs> you know in doing this and you know i like like i said earlier i'm glad i, I have you on here and i know that our listeners are going to appreciate every bit of this journey and you know because like for myself a little bit of back, you know a little bit of background you know um, me and my buddies, you know, we've we gone out west. We've um, primitive camp. Uh, we mounted bike through uh, Canyonland National Park. Uh, you know, with primitive camping in, in the same sense. We only did it for five days, so and right. we, we we had our know, little bit of uh, trials and tribulations. But what you what you're doing is on such a grander scale, and, and it's amazing. And you know, again, we'll we'll get into it about the organization. But kudos to you, man. Kudos to everything you've done. Not gonna lie, so, there was
3: multiple times I was ready to quit. You know, it uh, that's tough. That's how tough that was to get up and keep going every day. You know, we took uh, fourteen days to ourselves where we stayed in a motel or had uh, River Angels let us stay overnight. You know, and actually unwind because we heard before. You know, somebody told me uh, if that river ever becomes not fun anymore, get off. And, yeah. That's very valuable. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, so from um, so now we covered Illinois, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. So let's let's go down. So let Let's let's start St. Louis, right? So we we took a section. We're down in St. Louis. Yep. Uh, anything significant around there? Uh, they jogged your mind about what was going on or what could have happened down there. Oh, very much so. Uh, <laughs> right around that same
3: time of Illinois that we had just talked about, uh, that's when all my gear started to get really worn out and depleted. Uh, it was already pretty worn out already, but, uh, you know, and I was on my own, so I didn't have uh, any radios to talk with the ship barges. Uh, I had no preparation with the locks except for a cell phone that barely had reception when we got to the locks. Uh, so then I could coordinate with the lock master, you know, on when we could actually transport through downstream, um, relearning all of that, uh, radio lingo and stuff like that, you know, that became interesting too, but that's further downstream. Uh, I, I got worried, you know, I got, uh, how do you say it? almost defensive, you know, for myself that I wasn't going to make it, uh, just because of all these extra worries that were on top of me then, because basically I took the leadership role and I didn't do any research into being the captain. You know, I was, uh, originally just following along. Uh, so every day I would go to bed or, uh, get ready for bed there. And that's when I would start doing my research for the next day, what's coming up you know, how many miles can we paddle, how much do we did today, and what weather conditions, you know, and I I would just triangulate where we could get next, and that really started to help out, you know, with the RV and stuff like that. It became uh, a well-oiled machine at the end, Uh, but without all these trials and stuff, you know, that stuff wouldn't have came in, you know, I wouldn't have been put in that situation to have to do that.
2: Yeah, and and just let you know, it's funny. We were just talking about the Chester at the firehouse. Someone has to take that role uh, of, you know, of the leadership position. As much as everybody wants to stay back and just be, you know, just be a grunt, someone has to lead. And yep. and when you find that balance of, of transition, you know, whether it's doing an adventure, if it's a journey, if it's work life, you – one thing we talked about yesterday was, um, you know, it, it's not being a boss; it's about being a leader. And when you when you lead your men um, in a direction that you can know and trust them, you're going to have unlimited, um, not necessarily respect, but you're going to get the most. Uh, you're going to get the most value out of your people. When
3: you yep. they are like assets, agreed. Yep. So and then uh, just to keep going on that the last subject there, uh, when I when I was feeling like that, I had reached out to uh, Camp Hope, uh, Mister White, uh, in Missouri. Oh. They had uh, helped me in the past with uh, my PTSD. They brought me down uh, to their camp and they you know brought me on hunts. Uh, they take you in, you know, as a friend, and then you leave as family at the end there, and that's indeed what we are. Uh, they brought me down to Texas there for a, another hunt, and you know, it's it's not just about the hunts and stuff like that. You know, that's sure the main focal point. But
0: knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com.
3: What happens behind the scenes is the main focus, you know, and yeah. I, didn't, I didn't see that for many years, you know. When I was on the river there, and I asked for help, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, all all my worries, you know, started to just you know disappear with the the help that I was receiving from them all, you know, it uh, not it, it solidified uh, because of already the stuff that I had been through, and I had already started twenty two alive, and you know, kind of started explaining what I had already been going through and stuff like that on there. Uh, but it just opened the doors that much more to all the other veterans. It, it just wasn't myself anymore, you know. Uh, it was way above and beyond that that I could see all these holes that weren't getting filled, uh, you know. And they're probably still not getting filled, you know, fully. You know, I'm sure I'm going to miss stuff too. Just I'm human, you know. But I'm trying to encapsulate all that into what I know and what I've experienced
2: into VRT and E and 22 Stay Alive. Yeah, it, it, you know, you hit it on the head. And, we, you know, again, back to that talk yesterday about we're only human.
1: You know, one thing
2: that, you know, so I had a choice when I was 18. Uh, I was in a fortunate position. I was It was either I go to the military or I had the avenue to go the route of the fire department. I chose the route to go to the fire department. But, again, paramilitary background, all my DIs were – ex-marines um so it it was then really really boot camp for six months but nonetheless um when you were taught it and you were taught to be built up to be broken down and rebuilt again and there's a lot of individualism uh and and self-sufficiency that you are taught and as not only I, i see it in myself and i understand where you're coming from when you're so self-sufficient, the biggest and the hardest thing, and you did it, is asking for help. It is so hard to ask for help when you are a self-sufficient person. In your mind, you become—I oh, don't need—I—I've I, done it on my own for so long. I can continue to do it. It's not until you don't even realize that you're losing control that asking for help is what you said. It releases and it solidifies so much of what you've done. But until you can then a hundred percent you know there's things I've seen where I know uh I probably have undiagnosed PTSD I don't seek it out as much but I, I, I there was the hardest thing to do is ask for help when you are feeling compressed. That that's harder than anything that will ever do, that will ever be. Yep. And um and even you know, one more time, you and broke up there.
3: even accepting that help is hard. You know, I had uh, people yeah. coming up to me, you know, on the river, you know, as I'm getting off wanting to help. And I'm like, no, you know, it's okay. I got it. You know, and then mm-hmm. near the end there, I'm like, well, this is their way of giving back and showing appreciation. So, you know, there's something wrong with me for, you know, being so stubborn. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, and yeah, I, I, I totally get it, Donnie. I, I get it, man, and like he's like I said, you know, you're yeah. hitting on the head and you are you're, you're pushing forth with it. That's awesome. Uh, but you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna circle back to to everything about twenty two state life VRT and E. But let us continue on our journey going down going uh downriver. Okay. Yeah. So uh, go ahead. I was gonna say, lead the way, man. We were so you got. I, I take it you're able to get through the locks. You're coordinating with the uh, uh, the gatekeeper.
3: Uh, by now we're down in uh, uh just past St. Louis there, and reaching that arch that that was huge, and then backing up just a little bit. Uh, Cairo, Cairo Illinois is where uh, uh Lewis and Clark. Stayed on one of their nights you know while they were going up river and that's where I, I really imagine you know myself bringing myself back in time you know I like to take the white black and white photos uh it, it just I don't know solidifies your spot and time there on the river you know <laughs> or it's or it, it's timeless basically um and then I just imagine myself you know camping on the river there the yeah. same as these these explorers were and I don't know it, it kind of two and two together, you know, uh, the, the adventure spirit, you know, really came out in me then, uh, then, uh, down by St. Louis there, we reached the arch and, you know, reaching that was pretty much a, a big milestone. I knew that the hardest part, the most physical part was behind me. Uh, all the locks and dams were done. There was no more of them. Uh, that was very physical. Every time you would reach a lock and dam you know all them big lakes behind it, uh, there, there's no current, basically. Um, so it's, it's, you got to prepare a day ahead of time before you reach a lock lake. For me, anyway, it was. Um, then we got down past St. Louis there, and my confidence had really gained with all the gear uh you know, I was playing with the gear, you know, while I was supposed to be paddling. <laughs> <My> dad, <laughs> looking back, you know, come on, let's go, you know, and here I am playing with the GPS. But uh yeah, that made it fun. Uh we my dad went over uh I almost got sucked into Devil's Hole. So that's a that's a pretty cool story. Uh yeah,
2: let's hear that.
3: <laughs> I was uh we were on the I took the middle because I heard a way dam. They sound like waterfalls as they're coming up. Mm-hmm. You can hear the rushing water, and you're far away, you know. And I heard the rushing water coming up, and I started moving to the middle because uh, I knew from experience that where the way dams were, and they're rougher to go over if you're near shore where they start. So my dad, he was, uh, he was taking the inside shoulder there, and I started moving out. So we were basically in parallel like this and I was yelling way down, way down. And I I got over it, you know, and it's, it's a pretty good drop. You know, I had a pretty good, uh, tickle belly roller coaster over the top of it. And I started looking over my shoulder (laughs) wondering how dad's doing, you know, and he told me afterwards he got sucked into it. There was a whirlpool right afterwards and it took the bottom of the kayak down and he had to really dig to get out of it, uh, but that one was uh pretty eye opening for all of us, you know, and how dangerous that river can be at sometimes. Uh then we uh St. Louis there after that. Uh it was really beautiful. The Kentucky rain, you know how they say that. Uh it's true. Uh it, it rained there probably once or twice a day. Uh maybe <laughs> it was season, maybe it wasn't, I don't know. Uh but yeah that's when the paddling became you can't see nothing from the river it all really looks the same but if you get off the river you know illinois is flat on the other side of the river but on the river it all looks the same you know there ain't much you're missing except for like lacrosse you know there's some big mountains and stuff like that uh yeah. carved out from the glaciers which are really cool uh cool. This, um, up in minnesota too we had a lot of stuff that Uh, we had the, uh, uh, volcanic ash, you know, we put up with COVID and the masks. uh, that was a whole ordeal in itself, you know, trying to resupply and people wanted to make you put on your mask, you know, and I don't believe in them. So I don't believe, you know, corporations have that right to, you know, make me put on a mask either. And so I exercised that right. And it got, it got tough near the end. Uh, there was times I was going without just because I wouldn't put on a mask, (laughs) Um you know we had the volcanic ash. Uh what else did we have? Near the end there, we had the obvious the hurricane, uh the heat, the mosquitoes, uh there was a where were we? Vicksburg. And okay, we arrived yep, we arrived pretty late there, uh to one of the casinos that we were gonna hopefully spend the night at. And we pulled up there and uh, where we were gonna dock, it it wasn't a very good docking spot, so we had to go back upriver about a mile to get to where we wanted to dock at. Well, as I turned around and went back upstream, that's when I seen this little black thing in the water. I was kinda like, "What the heck is this?" You know? And then I seen it head, you know, moving back and forth like that. I was like, "Hey, there's a, there's a snake," you know. And I had, I had been warned about these things, you know, it's like a water moccasin. And I got oh, God. and he he'd slaps his tail in the water and just takes off you know i was like wow you know it was pretty cool you know we dealt with uh (laughs) uh, what are they called the alligators and uh crocodiles down there they're alligators uh they would uh pop up out of the water you know kind of look at you pop back down they never really mess with you um up north in minnesota it was uh, <clears throat> the bald eagles, swans, uh, and it was uh, baby season when we were up in Minnesota with some of the swans and stuff, and there was one area in particular, it was all marsh, and you're seeing uh, baby down feathers all along the marsh, and the whole water, it seemed like, or the air, was just vibrating from the baby coos, because there was just so many of them, thousands of them, and that was pretty neat and rememberable uh i had uh bald eagles uh show me where to land at night uh they they would fly ahead of me and they knew i was looking for campsite already and they would fly ahead of me and go either to the left go either to the right and usually right where they would leave the line of sight of where the river is and hit the woods that's where the campsite was and no doubt almost every single time very close to that I was able to set up tent
2: uh, oh, it's, that's awesome that's pretty yeah. cool man
4: <laughs> I got you go. still
3: there it goes yeah sorry it's breaking up a little bit oh, it's,
2: it's all good there we go That's that's cool that that you were able to follow the trace of the eagles, man. That's that's wild. (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty Um, neat. So you you fought off water moccasins. You pushed through alligators. Um, So you're in Vicksburg, Mississippi. So at this point in Vicksburg, how long has this journey been so far? Vicksburg, I think, would have put us 90 days. Ninety days in. So three maybe months over. so you're yep. so you're you're just three months or if not over on your adventure here. Now how so Vicks uh, I'm sorry, Vicksburg uh, Vicksburg to the Gulf. Now I just know driving, that's maybe about five, six hour drive. So now your next big stop is going to be New Orleans, correct? If I'm not mistaken yep. following your route. From there, that's pretty, the next one, yep. So how long did it take you to get from Vicksburg to New Orleans in that time span? Well, I can tell you we got to
3: the end there at 113 days, and I want to say we were day 90-something just before that hurricane started to move in, and we were in uh, just reaching New Orleans. Did you get caught in the actual hurricane? It luckily moved to the west of us, uh, okay. to the around the Appalachia Trail area, and moved up. And we were just north of uh, New Orleans, so it, it it worked out perfectly. We just had a little bit of rain, you know, that came off of it, and the winds at the top of the tree level, you know, it was it was nothing bad.
1: Cool, well, yeah, nothing
3: so- like uh, what them people went through over there, where the total devastation, you know, right. Very- wicked power
1: oh
2: yeah so I, I I've been down to New Orleans um, you know I, I've seen that I've seen where the um, port is where the Mississippi flows in so where did you actually wind up taking out at uh this year i will I'll, I'll start back uh one day
3: from our arrival in New orleans okay um,
1: to set it up,
3: we had a uh, a pretty hard paddle that day it was real hot and kind of miserable uh but we paddled a very good amount of distance and we arrived at our it was just going to be a break uh for the afternoon we, we were just going to come in for a resupply of water and you know get into the air conditioning for a little bit and my mom says well I, I think you should spend the night here I was kind of like oh yeah <laughs> well you know why is that and she's like well I don't know I just
5: and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just fifteen bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com/waypoint. That's mintmobile.com/waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to fifteen bucks a month at mintmobile.com/waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details.
3: Well, usually when Mom tells me something like that, by now I know. Something's going on. Uh so she had been talking with uh one of her friends and one of mine now uh from Florence here. He was older, went to school with my sister. But uh he got together with mom and they kind of organized this all and then they had meetings with the uppers uh for all of the barge traffic and ship traffic in New Orleans. I took off that morning the next morning after we had spent the night there. Uh you know, I was all prepped, ready to go. I had, you know, my GPS all charged, radio all charged. You know, I was fresh ready to, ready to rock and roll through New Orleans, you know, because I figured that was going to be the most fight and most active I had to be, you know, physically and mentally, you know, to tackle because it's, it's very, very busy. Uh, <laughs> we got uh, a mile in and barges were just lined up on the sides. You know their radar dishes are still spinning. There's crew walking around on them, and you know just came over me like, what the heck is going on? You know, this is strange. All these ships, you know, just sitting there spinning, not doing nothing. And then went went another mile, and then there's a uh, you know big huge cruise ships just parked right in the center, engines off, no anchor dropped. You know, they're just they're just sitting there. You know, more barges, miles of barges, you know. We paddled more into the city, and there were still more barges piled on the side. And, you know, I came to the realization, you know, I was thinking to myself, what the heck is going on here, you know? I, um, I was kind of clueless to it all, and then I was like, holy shit, you know, they're, they're paying homage, you know. They're, yeah. They're They're paying their respects for every single other veteran that they've had in their life you know, that has ended themselves or, you know, they know somebody and this is this is what's happening, you know, flying the American flag down New Orleans and they're all paying respect, you know, it it was very humbling. It was something it just it's almost indescribable, Uh yeah, it was a very emotional day. Uh I got in uh me and dad got into uh, uh trying to belly American no, was American Bill something? Man, I'm terrible. I should have wrote that down. Um <laughs> it, it's on my post though on Facebook. Uh the barge company that actually did that and everything, uh they had us meet up there at their one of their docking areas uh for their ships and they send out captains and stuff like that on a schedule. Um but after going through that, you know, I was I was real taken back and we had finally made it around the last corner and got up to the shipping barge there and we couldn't see nothing really. And then I saw my mom and a whole bunch of people on motorcycles and they started rapping their engines, you know, and that was probably the most beautiful music we had heard in a long time. You know, <laughs> my parents ride and I, I've loved motorcycles ever since I was a kid. And, you know, it gave you goosebumps, you know, hearing the, the motorcycles, you know, cause there was probably 20 or 30 of them, you know, lined up there on, on the barge dock and uh, we pulled up there the guys took uh, straps and a big crane and took our canoes out of the water and they took them out because the hurricane was coming we didn't know that we were going to be off river completely we kind of made that decision during the whole event and party that took place Uh, they brought us to their MC club and stuff like that and we were able to unwind and eat some food Um, went back and that's when we talked to the river master of the barge company there. He has a little computer and they brought us in there and, you know, we'd check the weather and he showed us, you know, all the stuff that was coming on. Cause at that time I was kind of like, well, we're so close. Why not keep going until we're actually forced off the river from mother nature. And well, we made the right decision and getting off, you know, cause that's, well, that comes up the river. We would have gone nowhere and yeah. who knows where it would have went from there, you know, but yeah, that whole experience was, I don't know, inspiring and, you know, humbling at the same time.
2: I mean, if there's no better definition of showing true American spirit and support, that's, that's it right there, man. That is a hundred percent. I mean, just listen to it. I, I, it, 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 warms my heart gives me goosebumps okay. and it, it's you know, that you know that's that's freaking amazing so so when it ended you guys you guys pulled you guys are out you guys are getting replenished what what's going through your mind now that you you're done you've accomplished this what, what what's running what's what's turning up there
3: i didn't feel that until a week after I got home and uh, I, uh, I woke up one morning and I was like, shoot, I don't have to grab my paddle. I don't have to paddle today. And even my dad said that to me a couple of times, you know, we don't have to paddle today. Doesn't it feel good? (laughs) And then there was the other times you're, you were missing that paddle, you know? So yeah, there's something to be said there yet. I, I don't have the exact words for it all yet, but someday I will
2: yeah for sure so that so now you have some time in between let's um and, and obviously you, you, when you did your foundation for 22 stay alive this was this was the big mission of it now you're moving on to to new chapters um and your quest uh for for support so let's talk about uh your organizations and what you're doing and what your future plans are all right. Uh
3: yeah, VRT and e, Uh I was wanting to do something like this years ago, but not, nothing ever came into fruition and you know, it was probably on purpose. You know, I probably wasn't in that right place, you know, to be able to impact in the way I, I want to. Uh but eventually, you know, uh VRT and E, uh the veterans, you know, it would be nice to be able to get a hold of all of our American veterans you know all the disciplines are on the racetrack every you know race that's on in america you know i would like our teams to actually be there and be participating you know on the racetrack as a team you know at building that camaraderie up you know there's there's people you might not know that are needing this and they they probably won't express it you know and, until they're into it and actually feeling the love you know so we can Im- impact those guys like that and, you know, slowly start bringing them home,
2: you know, why not?
3: What better calling is there?
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, and by all means, uh, you know, that's, that's awesome. Now, uh, before the show was going on, you were talking about, uh, um you know, on racetrack, but you're also planning on taking them out on uh, expeditions as well. Uh you yeah. want to explain a little bit? The expeditions you have planned? Yeah, it's kind of a multi-multi layered. Uh,
3: the racetrack idea—it's uh, it, a place for you to get your aggressions out, uh, and then the, the ex- expedition side is going to be a side for you to start healing and you know come back to you know what's important to you in your life and what you want to make of it. You know, uh, people don't have to even teach you that kind of stuff it, it's something that's going to be taught to you anyway uh and hopefully the plans and layouts that i have with it you know i'm just uh i'm just another person you know I, I ain't nothing special i've had my own hardships and stuff like that but through these hardships is is what i've learned to help deal with my hardships uh you know the yoga health body health uh there's strength training there's music therapy uh, the wellness that comes along with the long range uh, expeditions uh, it's, it's like a grounding, uh, taking your shoes off and walking in the sand, you know, after a long day there, you might not feel it right away, but there's, there's something happening. Uh, and then also like the suicide prevention uh, and homeless veterans, you know, we'd like to reach out to them as, as well, you know, because there's, there's, there shouldn't be none. You
2: know, i don't no, uh, like that's wrong absolutely um do you ha- can you uh give any sites that you wanna um put out where people can find more about your organizations and where to find uh information it uh right now
3: uh on facebook is i got a personal blog and that that encapsulates the uh twenty two stay alive and that's what it's called twenty two Separate word, stay, separate word, alive. Uh, that, I didn't start that until mid-trip, so I still am going back. I'm going to start back over from where I didn't start because we didn't have reception and stuff like that, and I didn't know I was going to be doing this. Uh, so I'm going to go back, and I'm going to uh, – all the pictures and stuff that I took from the beginning until 22 Alive started is where I got – and that's where I got to start again now that I'm back home and finish basically in the middle uh so it's kind of like a a book i guess already you know how they start the (laughs) start in the end and then you know you finish somewhere in the beginning
2: sure all right so that's all on facebook um then any anybody you want to give a shout out to anybody you want to give a mention to uh
3: camp hope is uh been my family from the beginning and you know mr white scott ross you know all these guys that have helped me and helped me dig in mr j uh and all the the small things you know they they add up and make you feel home you know my parents obviously for putting up with my ass all these years you know (laughs) you know my dad for coming out there with me because he's 67 years old too you know and it it took a it took a beating on me, but it it took a beating on him too. You know, he lost twenty some pounds, and you know, physically at that age, you know, it, it's hard to get that back. So, uh, we've been yeah. watching him, making sure he's getting back to health, and you know, he's been doing very good with it.
2: Good, 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 good. That's a it's a family affair, man. It, it takes the it it like the same goes. It takes a community to raise a child. Yeah, and. You're getting, you're getting the help from every aspect for, you know, for this. That's, that's awesome. Um, anything else you want to throw in? Uh, anything worth mentioning? Anything that it's for sure, man, and then add it. Our next future trip,
3: uh, this was kind of just thrown in there. It was offered to me by Wild Bill down in uh, Missouri. He takes veterans out. So I think he's part of, like, the AMVET Association. Uh okay. He's bringing me fishing October 17th or something like that. And I'm going to pick up uh, a Purple Heart recipient in Missouri there. Uh, he was deployed with us, and we're going to take him out fishing. Um, you know, that's where I'm going to start.
2: Awesome. Um,
0: Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal
2: Cool. I I don't know. And I know, you know, we talked earlier, a lot of the kayak, you know, kayaking, canoeing, and water sports scene, but we, um, we also have a chapter that we do uh, here in the kayaking community called Heroes on the Water. And it's, it's the same thing. We get guys, we get veterans, um, you know, who are suffering, you know, whatever the ailment is, Uh, there's nothing that's stopping them, but uh, we, Get them on the we get them on the water fishing wow. and uh throughout this throughout the country for that so if that's something you're ever interested in uh you know reach out to me and we can make you know we can make it happen as well Most definitely awesome uh the podcast is is a uh is is a supporter of it we you know we we had we mentioned we work with uh with one of the guys he actually um, our old plastic plastics, we send them in. He melts them down and makes new plastic uh, for the organization uh, to give out uh, to the vets. Yeah, that's cool. Yep. Cool. Well, if if that's all you have, I have one last thing for you, yeah, and sure. this is uh this this is the this is the bonus about being on on my show. Uh, all right, play a little game of uh true confessions. Oh yes. Yeah. So I hope you have your story ready. No, I I have... I'm i
3: not very good with this stuff.
2: <laughs> oh, no. <laughs>
3: uh, but I'm sure I can come up with something. All right. Let's see here. Uh, there was one time back when I was a kid there, we were uh, road hunting. And my dad uh, stopped the truck and he got out and he saw a big buck. And he was like, oh, I want to go shoot that buck. So I went up to, we went out to the farmer's uh, door there and knocked on the door. And, you know, my dad jumped out there and talked to the farmer a while. And, you know, he came back, he he was thinking to himself, he's going to play a trick on me. Well, uh, he got back to the car there and I was like all excited, you know. I said, well, are we going to shoot the buck? He says, no, but we're going to anyway. All right. Well, he was talking to the farmer there and, asked him to take down two of the horses without me knowing. well I heard the two gunshots there, and I was wondering what the heck happened. you know he's usually only one shot. Well, he said he was pissed off at the farmer and shot two of his cows
2: <laughs> this this is uh, that
3: bullshit so
2: <laughs> um. Yeah, I was gonna say it sounds too good to be true. <laughs> you know, given how genuine uh, he sounded on the water with you, yes. <laughs> so, all right, here's one for you. Now you're up in the UP, so you're you're on the west end of the UP, right? Oh, Iron Mountain.
3: Uh, more like the southern middle.
2: Okay. Uh. Do you are you familiar with uh, Saint Ignace? Yes, in Mackinac City around that around that region. Oh yeah. Okay, so when I was younger, I was about eight years old. I was eight. My sister was four. My my nana was still alive, and it was my mother. So we had gone up to that area for for a little vacation, and. We were in. We were staying in Saint Agnes, so my nana, she got turned around um, in the neighborhood. There was called a call to sec, but she was kind of confused as to where she was at. Now my mom, for whatever reason, she got out the car, and this giant German Shepherd had hopped the fence and was chasing my mom around the car. My mom, she hopped on the hood and up onto the up onto the top of the car, so the German Shepherd wouldn't get her. The owners had to come out and retrieve their dog. This was all while we were on vacation in, in St. Agnes. My mom came back; she was so scared um, that <laughs> she, as soon as we got back to the motel, she wound up um she wound up you know having to go number two right away. It literally scared the shit out of her. I love you, Mom.
3: (laughs) Well, that one definitely sounds like it's the
2: truth. Oh, 100%. (laughs) I'll never forget that as a kid, my mom getting chased around by a dog outside. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. (laughs) Cool. Donnie, again, I want to thank you so much for taking time out your day to come on to the show and talk about this. Uh, you know, it, to me, it, if it means nothing else to me, it means the world, you know, and our yeah. listeners they'll definitely, I know, I know. If, if you're not familiar, you know, our, our podcast goes, it goes, you know, worldwide. We're on every streaming platform. We're up to the last number we are up to was uh, 200,000 listen, uh, plays. Wow. so there's quite a bit of people who who this gets reached to so i'm sure you know i'm, I'm sure to hear this and story you know it maybe even if it's one or two people to inspire you know to inspire them right. uh, you know it, it's it's worth it it's worth it by every means yep um, keep, going. keep going yep well again thank you so much for being on the show and then uh uh, to all my listeners, thank you guys for tuning in. You guys are what makes the show possible. Um, right now, tournament season is settling down, but that doesn't mean the real down is over. And on top of that, be on the lookout for the next episode of Off the Water.
1: Till next time, peace.